This morning we're uh, going to be looking at the last part of the book of Habakkuk. I don't know, I hope everybody's enjoyed the first two chapters as much as I have, but there's only three, only three chapters of Habakkuk, so we're at the end today. And this chapter is probably my favourite. This chapter is a very special one and it's one that I come back to uh, many times in my life and I hope that you'll see why as we go through it. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. For the Director of Music on on Stringed Instruments. The book of Habakkuk concludes with a psalm written by Habakkuk to lead the people in worship. And unlike the majority of the Psalms, we've got to see the backstory to this Psalm. 
We've seen the wrestling with God that Habakkuk has done that have led to the, that's led to the creation of this song. We know that Habakkuk was struggling with problems of injustice and, and problems of evil going unpunished. He lived in Judah in a time where the kings had, had turned their back on God and gone after the gods of the the Canaanites and the nations around them. In a time where the priests took bribes and the judges were corrupt, in a time where the, the wealthy preyed upon the poor, in a time where there was injustice and no way to get justice because the judges were in the pockets of the people who were doing wrong. And Habakkuk cried out to God and said, when will you bring justice? And God says, don't worry, I'm going to bring justice. There's going to be a reckoning for the way that Israel, that Judah has broken their covenant with me. And that as promised all those years ago to Moses, that if they keep breaking their covenant with me, they'll be taken from their land. And he told Habakkuk, I will raise up Babylon and they will carry the people off from their land. So that was week one, what we looked at, chapter one. And then last week we looked at Habakkuk's natural follow-up question, how can that be right when Babylon are even worse than we are? And we saw God went through and said, there's there's no injustice, not from Babylon, not from any power in the world that won't be paid for. No injustice that I won't bring justice to, that I won't bring judgment upon. And he gave Habakkuk a promise, although your people will end up conquered by these Babylonians, their time will come. And I will deliver your people. And so he tell, he's telling Habakkuk through this whole story, I'll, I am with you, the righteous people. But times are going to be hard. Bad things are going to happen. But justice will come. Last week, he, he, when God uh, responded to Habakkuk's questions, he said, Write this down on a tablet so that it can be taken to all the people. And like a stone tablet, which, which like I said last week, was, was like they didn't write things on stone tablets by this point in history. They had, they had you know, oh, not papyrus was in Egypt. They had, I've forgotten the exact word for it, but it was made from like animal hides, dried animal hides, and they wrote on that. But the tablet was something that was permanent, something that, was, was fixed and something that, you know, whether or not they actually literally went and wrote it on a tablet, the idea was here is something concrete that you can hold on to when all of this, the terrible things are happening. That God is faithful to his promises. That he would deliver them from their enemies. That he would bring justice for all of the things that they'd gone through. And that He would set things right. 
We've been reminded as we've gone through this book of the cost of justice and punishment. When Habakkuk cried out for justice, God reminded him just how big a thing that was going to be. That for him to bring justice on Judah was going to be more than just a slap on the wrist. That it was going to be very serious for them. We've been reminded that God has promised deliverance and justice, but that it's not always or not often an easy road. And at the end of all of this wrestling with God, Habakkuk pens this song so that he can not only sing of his experiences and and what what he's realised about God through this, but so that he can teach others about what it is that God has taught him through this time. And he begins his psalm with, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Like Habakkuk, we've heard of God's great deeds. We've heard of creation, where he made everything that has been made. And it was good. The Exodus where he brought his power to bear on the greatest and most powerful nation on the earth to rescue his people. He parted the Red Sea and led them through on dry land. We've heard about Mount Carmel, where the hundreds of prophets of Baal squared off against Elijah and they had a contest to see who was really God. And God showed in very conclusive fashion. We know about the days of Daniel when people were thrown into the furnace and didn't burn. Where people were thrown to the lions and they weren't eaten. We know about the days when Jesus walked the earth and the lame walked and the blind saw And the sick were healed. And the dead were raised. We've heard about when God defeated death, when Christ was raised from the dead. We've heard about the book of Acts, where the gospel spread in something like 30 years over you know, two-thirds of the Roman Empire and, you know, and beyond. We've heard about, you know, um, Paul being rescued from his shipwrecks and rescued from a poisonous snake, the bite of a poisonous snake. We heard about thousands, you know, preaching to thousands And hundreds or thousands being baptised in one day. We've heard of God's great deeds. But we haven't seen, at least we haven't seen deeds on that scale. We haven't seen things quite like those days. We haven't seen literal fire from heaven. I haven't personally seen someone raised from the dead. 
We haven't seen the, the seas parted and walked through on dry land. And perhaps our hearts echo the cry of Habakkuk in this song. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. But Habakkuk had learned a lot from his wrestling with God. He learned that salvation so often comes hand in hand with judgment. Salvation for Noah came hand in hand with judgment for everyone else. Salvation for Israel came hand in hand with judgment on Egypt. Salvation for us came hand in hand with judgment on Jesus. And so he calls out to God in this song, in your wrath, remember mercy. And he says that not because he thinks God would forget, but because we do. That God brings justice, brings judgment because he is a just God and he must do what is right. But he delights in showing mercy and he would much rather forgive those who have turned back to him than judge those who continue to reject him. And I don't know about you as... We look at those phrases just at the beginning of what Habakkuk has talked about. There can be a real difference in between believing that God has done great things and that he will. I know personally I find it much easier to believe that God parted the Red Sea and that he you know, raised Jesus from the dead then I find it to believe that incredible things could happen in this day that we live in. That thousands can hear and believe and be baptised on one day. That God could work in incredible ways. And yet, God's word tells us that he is here. He is working to this day. We see God working in some pretty incredible ways in the book of Revelation. And we know that God's doing of great things is not in the past. Well, it is, but it's not just in the past. He's going to make all things new. Whenever any person believes, that person becomes a new creation. God brings the dead to life every time someone puts their trust in him. And one day he will do it completely where every part of the brokenness and injustice of this world will face judgment. But every single one who's put their trust in him will find mercy and forgiveness. God has promised he isn't finished bringing salvation. He isn't finished bringing his justice. He isn't finished acting in power. And Habakkuk launches into this great description of how God would save his people. And he uses the past tense 
for things that haven't happened yet. Talking about all these things that God would do. And he talks, his splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand. This is the image he had, the picture he had of God coming in justice. Pictures of those great acts of God in the past breaking into the day that Habakkuk and his people lived in. Now it's worth remembering this is a psalm and it's describing God's actions poetically, not literally. We don't need to expect that there was or would be a time where God would walk through the earth like a giant with a spear shooting arrows at things. But that these are poetic images of God in his power, acting in his world. There are two main pictures that Habakkuk gives us of God in this passage. The one is of God's immense power, of God coming into his creation And just by being there, cataclysmic things are happening. By God's immense power merely moving in this world, by walking, he shakes the earth and the mountains crumble. That he's attended by glory and praise and splendor and wonder. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. He's attended by this um, plague and pestilence. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. This picture of reminding us that this is God coming in a sense of judgment. That similar to how he brought the the plagues on Egypt for their refusal to let his people go, that there would be consequences for those who continued to resist as he came, came in this special way that Habakkuk is promising. So that's the one picture of like God being in his world and just extraordinary things happening just by his being there because of how, much, how great a magnitude he is above his creation. And the second picture he gives us is of God the warrior fighting for his people. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as thou, though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. So that picture, you know, like in the movies where, where the good guys are, are almost overrun and, you know, the, the enemies are on their doorstep. They were, the wretched who were in hiding about to be devoured by their enemies. And then God steps in and everything is flipped on its head. And the leader of the land of wickedness, it's a very evocative phrase, that one, is crushed, destroyed in an instant by someone far more powerful. The leader of the land of wickedness, 
And in the context, he's kind of, he's talking about the king of Babylon as being kind of the, the initial referent to who uh, is in view here. Uh, and indeed, this, this happened. The, um, oh, what was his name? I always get confused because I think it's Belshazzar was the king and Belteshazzar was, was Daniel's um, Babylonian name, but I get them mixed up. But I'm pretty sure it was Belshazzar, was, was the Persian, uh, was the Babylonian king who took the, uh, took the cups from the temple uh, when he was having a big party with all of his mates. And God didn't like that and told him, on this very night you will be judged. And on that night the, Medians, uh, the Medes and the Persians came and in an instant he was destroyed. So the leader of the land of wickedness, in view of all the things that, um, that Habakkuk has been wrestling with, the initial one it's referring to is that the, the king of Babylon. But it does also point us to the bigger picture, the real leader of the land of wickedness. Reminds us that just as God will triumph over every lower you know, lowercase l, leader of the land of wickedness. Though, as, though their reigns will be there for a time, but short-lived. So with the capital L leader. His time might go for a while, but when God decides it's over, it's over. Habakkuk calls us to recognise the awe and the wonder of God in all of his glory. He begins wondering whether maybe God is, maybe God wasn't strong enough to bring justice. And maybe that's why all of this justice was going unpunished. Or maybe he wasn't good enough. Like, yeah, he didn't really care that much that all these things were happening. And he's found out through his wrestling with God that neither of those is true. That God is most definitely strong enough and good enough. He will bring justice, but he gives people time. Time to be forgiven, time to turn back to him. He gives people chances. But we get this picture in this passage that the fullness of who God is, is too much for us to easily be comfortable with. That by, by taking a step, he can shake the earth. By a look, he can make the nations tremble. But it's this God who made the earth and who, with a click of his fingers, could make it anew. It's this God who invites us to call him Father. It's this God who invites us to talk to him every day, about anything. It's this Father who invites us to cast our anxieties upon Him because He cares for us. It's this God, so far above us, that invites us to come and wrestle with Him and bring our struggles to Him like Habakkuk has over the course of this book. This God 
who shakes the earth invites us to approach him with confidence. Not because we're anywhere near being on his level, but because he's adopted us and he loves us. John 1 tells us that Jesus came to show us life, to show us the way to God. And it says that his own did not receive him, but to those who did receive him, to those who did believe in his name, he's given the right to be called children of God. Sometimes we forget what a massive thing it is that we're called children of God, that we're invited to pray to our Father. We forget just how awesome He is. That relationship with Him did not come easily. For us to be adopted by Him came at the price of His one and only Son the only one who truly was on his level, who was of the same order as he was, who was truly God and one with God. And it's by his blood, the author of Hebrews tells us, that we can draw near to God with confidence. Because the sin that separates us from him is cleansed by that blood. Because all of us have rejected God. All of us rightly deserve to be on the wrong side of this God who comes in and can destroy the world with a click of his fingers. But because of his love, because he delights in showing mercy, Instead, he came and took that punishment on himself. Took the judgment that our sins deserved on himself. So that if we are counted with him, our sins are paid for. The punishment has been paid. There is now no condemnation. And so because God has already done this for us, through Jesus, because he loves us. Even in our lowest moments, we can join in the beautiful words of the end of this psalm. This is a bit I like to keep coming back to. Though the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Though we can't get pregnant, Though the children don't call, though we end up in lockdown and can't see anybody, though we lose our loved ones 
or never find that special one to call our own. Though our business fail or we lose our jobs, though healing is not forthcoming, though everyone and everything else fail us, yet we will rejoice in the Lord. We will be joyful in God our Saviour because his love for us is sure. His salvation is sure. And his love will help us to endure everything else. It's a beautiful song. And yet one that's not always easy to sing. And we all have those times in our lives where our fig tree does not bud, so to speak. Where the things that we'd hoped for and the things that we rely on fail us. But even in those times, when God is all that we have, we're reminded that he is all we need. God is most glorified in us and we're most satisfied in him. Because it's in him, in the promises that he's given that we can rely upon. And like Habakkuk, we have to wait. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us, he says. He's not praying this because he's come out the other side of all the hard things. He knows all the hard things are about to come. But he knows that God will bring them through those times. And he will bring justice. And he will bring restoration. And we know even more than Habakkuk. Because we know about heaven, the new creation. We know about all things being made new where there's no more mourning or sickness or crying or pain. We know that Jesus has promised that he will be with us always through the midst of whatever we go through to the very end of the age. It's in him we find the most certain joy, the one that we can hold on to through not the, not the one that prevents all the tears. The one that keeps us from all the hard times. But the one that we can hold on to through all the tears and the hard times. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you might stir our hearts by the words of that song. That though all else fail us, we might be able to say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. In him I've found a love that never fails. In him I've found a promise that I can trust. In him I've found the strength to be able to go through all of the things that life can throw at us in this world that is still marked by brokenness and injustice everywhere we turn. We thank you that we have the promise that that will not be forever. 
that the injustice and the brokenness will be set right, will be made new, will be made right. We pray that you will help us to keep our eyes on you. Trust in your promises in those times where life is hard. To be able to sing the words of this ancient song. It's not easy. But in you there is hope. In you there is Something certain, that stone tablet to hold on to, come what may. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.